0: I spoke with a guy, uh, 51 years old. He doesn't believe that he can get out of his industry because he's been in it forever. And this is what he's, this is what his degrees in. And this is what he's always done. And it, he doesn't like it. It's like, no man, you got, you're, you're 50, you have 30 good years, 40 good years left. Like, what do you, yep. you know what I mean?
1: Don't throw a good time after bad.
0: You know, whatever, I, I'm, a, I, I'm a data scientist and now I want to go learn how to cook. It's like, go ahead, do it.
1: You're listening to It Gets Late Early, a show about the experience of getting older in the tech industry. I'm your host, Maureen Wiley-Clough. Let's dive in. Welcome to It Gets Late Early. Today, I have with me Jason Camosa, who is a former burnt-out tech executive, you know, at some really, really, really late stage in your career, I got to say, Jason, we'll get into that. (laughs) But former burnt-out tech executive turned executive coach. So welcome to the show.
0: Thanks for having me, Maureen. appreciate it.
1: So tell me a little bit about how one becomes burnt out at what was the time at which you decided you needed to leave the tech industry? Tell me about that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't think I've ever fully left and I don't think I'll ever fully leave, but it what I It sucks you in. Say, it's like the vortex, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so um, at age 29, I was leaving Groupon. I had been there for about five years and that was Oof. really the pinnacle of my like stress, my, my severe stress, my burnout- um prioritizing money, career success, promotions, all these things, right? Like, oh, checking the boxes, like okay, and here I am 29, almost 30 years old, uh just burnt out. Ancient. Um, Ancient. Yeah, yeah, in the tech world it is. <laughs> it is. I was a I was a grandfather. So yeah, oh I was gosh. burnt out. And uh I was like, I, I I gotta do something. I have to do something um about this burnout, about this stress I felt, this just continuous, never-ending um, cycle to again, more money. And it's just like, ah, uh, it was, it was not, I was not in a good wow. place, uh, about 10 years ago. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That sounds, that sounds pretty rough. Um, uh, and, and yet it's also something that I think is, is very much a known entity, right. For a lot of people yeah. in tech. And it's like people get into it, understanding that if they start at a startup company, they're likely to experience all those things you just mentioned, but tell me, tell me how you got there. How did, what, what was it about Groupon at that, point in your life that drew you drew you in sucked you in
0: well why did i join the company yeah well like what, so f- what
1: drew you to tech and the, the company yeah. particularly
0: so i had been my my plan so i graduated um college with an undergraduate uh, degree in psychology and my plan oh, cool. was to get a doctorate in psychology and i kind of did that um i kind of made that choice to apply to grad schools and to do all that not because i really wanted to but more so i it was out of fear. I didn't really know like what else I should do and I felt like okay, well, I'll go back to school. It's like the safe thing. I could get my degree, all these things. And in the core gut, like the core gut of my uh the soul, I didn't it didn't feel right. It didn't feel right for me at that time in my life to go back to school. And so I had applied to University of Chicago, which is a pretty good school secretly again hoping i wouldn't get in like i secretly was like i hope i don't get in because then i don't have to make the decision but then i I know what you mean then i got in and i'm like all right well like yes i gotta do this you know like and then everyone i'm telling everyone my family my friends like my mom's like oh my god my son's gonna you know go to university and genius yeah yeah and and so then when I didn't do it, I told, again, that was the plan. And then I came across Groupon and, and, again, listening to my intuition, I'm like, what what feels right to me? What feels right? And I was so attracted to this company and the way that their business model functioned. It was the first marketing and advertising platform, I believe, in history that didn't require upfront payments. So the main value prop for me and for Groupon, again, this was 2009, was that (laughs) yeah right r.i.p was that with groupon it was a 10 for 20 at joe's pizza and for every groupon sold we would send joe's pizza five bucks and we would keep five bucks so joe's pizza didn't have any upfront risk and that at that time was just mind-blowing so um so yeah so i started as a, a account executive very low level just kind of not really knowing what we were doing uh two and a half years in we ipo'd and then about another three years later i left burnt out again, continue to tell myself a story of, well, when I make X amount of dollars or when I get this promotion or this title, or when I close this client, then I'll be happy. And I realized that the self, the story I had told myself for so long, for so many years, um, it just wasn't, it was a, um, a a store that wasn't, it didn't fulfill my highest purpose. I, I grew up without, without a lot of money, single mom. So for me, the story I told myself was when I have some money, then I'll be happy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people do that. I think yeah. maybe, maybe most people do that. In fact, yeah.
0: Yeah. Seeking ext- uh, external things that, and, and it's, it's and the idea of the, um, I forgot what the name of the, this, this, um, concept is, but it's almost, it's, it's the, I call it the cookie jar, which is basically the thought of you eating the cookie is actually more pleasing psychologically than the actual cookie consumption itself
1: yes i've heard that and i've experienced it in my everyday life yeah it's the anticipation it's that dopamine release, right like and that's what keeps us going it's like searching that stim right yeah oh
0: it's gonna feel real good when we eat the cookie and then we actually eat the cookie and you're like okay well that was (laughs) okay (laughs) but yeah
1: that's yeah. so true. It's such a core part of being human, right? And I'm yeah. I'm getting better at recognizing that now that I'm 40 and I've been around the block. I'm like, okay, so I I can anticipate that that is going to be the way I feel afterwards, and it kind of it kind of keeps me in check a little bit more. But what you spoke to, like the seeking of external validation, the seeking of, you know, finding something that would be acceptable to not only others but also yourself like when you are that young you're grasping at straws for what the heck do i do with my life and so i cannot stand when people say follow your passion because i'm like dude my passion is hanging out with my friends and drinking at the bar and like playing sports and having long conversations on the phone and in person with people that i love that is not going to get me paid so i mean it's just it, what it did was really destroyed my it really destroyed my self confidence at a young age because I felt less than. And so I like you, I applied to law school. I thought I wanted to be a lawyer, why? Because I'd have that piece of paper that would validate me as a credible person in the business world as like as a somebody, if you will. And I didn't have the I didn't have the self-confidence at the time to recognize that I was going after it for the wrong reasons entirely. I didn't have that sort of introspection, none of it. And so, I mean, I- I'm really pleased for you that not only did you not follow through with the psychology degree uh, because you felt like it wasn't the right thing. You went to the other, you went to Groupon because it was calling you. I'm I'm also thrilled that you decided that you would exit Groupon when it was no longer serving you, that you had that, Yeah, that frankly, it's courage. Honestly, that's what that is. That is courage. Um, and I think too few people have it because we're all looking for the stamp of approval from others. And it's yeah. like, It's hard to break free of, really is. Uh,
0: Absolutely, especially this, and this goes back to the idea of programming as as children. So you said, you mentioned you're 40, I'll be 39 tomorrow uh, as my birthday. But
1: yeah, so the idea
0: of like, what were we programmed as children? What sort of programming did we inherit? Not necessarily from just our mom and our dad or our caretakers, but teachers, our our friends, parents, um, society in general. Like what did we inherit? And then how are we running that, how are we running our lives based upon the programming that we inherited? The yeah. software that we're running our minds on has oftentimes many folks don't have it updated. They haven't updated that software since fourth, fifth grade. So they're adults, adult bodies, but they have the the uh, mindset of, you know, of, of their, their old upbringing, their, their childhood.
1: That's so true. And in many cases, I feel like they're not even aware that it's, quote, wrong or, and I shouldn't even call it wrong, but that it's not serving them because they haven't even opened their minds to the possibility that there could be another way.
0: It's just very, yeah, it's outdated, right? It's an mm-hmm. outdated way of, of, of logically going about your life thinking, um, you know, we want to, we want to upgrade our, our phones and our, our technology and we want to get the fastest operating mm-hmm. systems and the coolest, quickest devices. But when it comes to our minds and our souls, we're running on windows 95 on, uh, you know, <laughs> A dial-up dial mo, dial modem, yeah. you know?
1: Yeah. yeah. The AOL sound. Exactly. <laughs> CD-ROM.
0: CD-ROM. Yeah. Put it in. That's what it is. That's a,
1: that's a fantastic analogy. I absolutely love that. And I think you should, you should keep that going. That's fabulous. So, but I mean, one of the things that drew you into the tech world, I imagine, was that sort of promise of being on to the next thing right like because you were probably grasping i i can tell you that that's likely one of the reasons i fell into it right it's that oh i want to be a part of this right and so there's that sense of not wanting to be left behind running to be on the forefront of the next thing so i think even though i've gotten better at recognizing these things i think it still was and it continues to be part of the driving factor in me staying in this industry or at least keeping one foot in right um So I'll see if I can potentially break free of that, if it no longer is serving me. (laughs) But so, so tell me a little bit, you, I mean, you were pretty, it sounds like you rose through the ranks at Groupon. Mm -hmm. You were pretty young at the time, or Mm -hmm. perhaps maybe everybody was your age. I don't know. Tell me a little bit, tell me a little bit about like the interior of Groupon when you were there.
0: Young. Oh my gosh. Young, (laughs) young, young people. Like we had... I mean, again, I was—I started. I was 24, so I was there from like 24 to 29. We—we um, we were just the, the, the amount of hiring that needed to get done based upon our growth trajectory for the first few years before we went public was something that I'd never even seen or experienced or even knew was possible. Again, the amount of hiring and we needed to get people in, and um, it was just this crazy. We didn't have, I would say like our VP or our like director of sales at that time, his name's Darren. He's probably not listening to this, but Darren, what's up? He was probably mid mid 40s and he was running the entire sales org um, for quite some time. And um, yeah, I mean, our CEO at the time, he was definitely uh, um, under 30 when we went public or maybe he was just 30. I mean, it was like super young, fast um yeah it was it was just it was almost like college extended where you got paid (laughs) and like if that's how it was it was just it was chaos like as we were headquartered we were headquartered here in chicago um the stories and oh my gosh it was it was just absolute pure i I wish someone would make a movie about it because it was that (laughs) impactful it was it was and we we were like the darling the tech darling oh yeah of you f- were Chicago for sure, if not like the country. It's 2010s. It was Groupon all Groupon. was it? Yeah, it was, was cool. It, it like, was. I went cool. to
1: Zulily. I worked at Zulily, which was you know commerce for e-commerce for moms, kids, and babies. Right, that's what they always said. And I used to be like, hey, what about the dads? What about parents? Anyway, I'll leave that there. But I was brought in to help them establish sort of a, a voucher like Groupon arm of the business rather than the actual physical goods that they were selling. But yeah, it was it was a big deal. There was a there was a group on for X demographic, yeah, you know, a group on for Y demographic springing up everywhere. So yeah, you were absolutely the darling.
0: Hey, it's Adam Grant. The new season of my Ted podcast Work Life is out now. The past few years have been full of changes to how we work. There's so much more we can rethink about our jobs. Join me as I dive into the science of making work not suck. This season we'll explore how to fix your meetings, bust bureaucracy, and make the most out of your breaks and vacations. Listen to Work Life with Adam Grant wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: So what was that? I mean, as as you said, the oldest person you probably saw around there was that that guy, Darren. Darren, you should definitely listen to this episode, by the way. But Darren, Darren was what, mid-40s, you said? Yeah, and probably. So, like, did you think about I mean sound like it was, you know, Continuation of college sounds like really really fun. But did you think about your age at all? Like, was there any sort of sense that oh shoot, like the CEO is thirty, and like what am I doing? I mean, tell me about that. Was that in play at all?
0: It was, or did more, you just not
1: think about it because everybody's so for, the same?
0: It was almost like, an so Andrew Andrew Mason is, is the the original founder and CEO. And when he, so I interviewed with him um, when I when I got hired because we were so small. He interviewed everyone.
1: And he mm-hmm. kind of, oh, yeah.
0: he straight up said to me, like, you know, we kind of don't really know like what we're doing or like, if this is going <laughs> to work. So I it was love almost that he said like, that actually. Yeah, it was, really it refreshing. Was, it, was, it was. So it was almost like an experiment where I'm like, okay, like, I think this is, I'm going to place my bet on this. Like, I think it's cool. I think it's interesting. I think the people that are here are pretty smart, but I also thought about the um, worst case scenario. And this is something I love to help with my clients, which is. What's the absolute doomsday worst case scenario here with Groupon, right? I get hired there. I work there six months in a year and it doesn't work. It sucks. I hate it, whatever. Then I quit. I I leave and I go back to my my thought was my process was like, well, if University of Chicago accepted me once and I say, no, not right now, like won't they most likely accept me again in two years if I want to go back? That was my thought. And so that was like kind of the safety net, if you will, the mental safety net of like, well, I could always go back, even though in my get in my heart, I'm like, I probably will never go back formally. (laughs) Um, That was kind of like my safety net. Yeah.
1: But I think that's really important for us to construct those safety nets. And I I think more people need to do them because it keeps us in a box when we don't build those for ourselves. and you know, you took a risk, you saw an opportunity, you were able to make that mental gymnastics leap into I'm going to take a shot at this because you knew the worst case scenario wasn't all that bad. And so, yeah, it's like, why don't more people do that? And I, I, I get that I want to say to some degree that's a little bit of a, a a situation that's imbued with privilege, right? The privilege of being young and not necessarily having mm-hmm. a family that's relying on you like you yep. can, you can be a little bit more fast and loose with that kind of stuff, but it's it's something that I think a lot of us have trouble with because to your earlier point, we're, we're all getting these messages hurdled at us throughout our lives about what you should do. All yep. the shoulds, right? Yeah. You know, you should go get this corporate job. Mm-hmm. You should do the nine to five. You should, you know, do all these things. And, and so it's hard to break free of that. So I'm sure that's something you work quite a bit with, with your clients. But first, let's talk about how you broke free from Groupon and from tech at, at 20, at the ripe old age of 29. Tell us about, <laughs> tell us, us about that exodus.
0: <laughs> so here's what So basically, I was at Groupon. I was just like so burnt out with the sales org and I got to the point where again I kept like there was no I, I felt like I came into work Andrew Mason our our original founder CEO he was ousted because of with the the we are a public company we didn't hit our numbers and so he was fired and so the company value changed the mission changed it wasn't about the uh the the core foundation of our of our business it changed right it wasn't about helping local commerce and new experiences it was mo- money how can we make the shareholders money right and as a public company that is the number one duty of a public company. And I think, it, you know, Andrew years later comes out and says, that was the worst thing I've ever done in my career was go public.
1: Really? Interesting.
0: Yeah. Um, it was in some article he was interviewed. But the bottom line is, it's, uh, um, you know, to, to, yeah, to be a part of that ride was wild. Um, like I said, it was, I was exhausted and I was like, no, no amount of money. And, and by the way, they changed the commission plans and all that. So it was just like, why am I here? What am I doing? My, my mission here, I firmly believe like, okay, I came here to do something. I've done that. I need to go on to the next thing. So I took three months off. Like I didn't do anything. I literally was like, I'm not, I went to um, Estes park, Colorado with my buddy, Josh. And we, I just I did basically for the first time in my life, um, From I started working at age 15. So from age 15 to, 29 I, I always had a job and that was the first time i really didn't have any job like i didn't do anything which was phenomenal um yeah it was like a, a breath of fresh air being able to say like, oh wait a minute my life isn't work emails and slack and salesforce and or i believe we had yammer at the time if you remember Yammer? Yeah, so I, was gonna, I
1: was gonna i had say yammer didn't have slack back then we had yammer <laughs> we had
0: yammer uh, but it's just like i was tied to you know addicted to my phone checking my phone mm-hmm. even on um even like weekends nights like it was i was never off work even if my phone was in another room i was thinking about work thinking about the client or how could i sign this you know commission statement like it was just like it was just so unhealthy it really was
1: yeah and i think so many people fall into that so you recognize and and perhaps part of that was your psychology background but you recognize okay this is verging into unhealthy territory and you're like i gotta pull i gotta pull the ripcord so it, you it left. was
0: just yeah, it was just like yeah, it was like, what, when is this going to, when is this, when is this going to end where it's like, okay, well, I'm going to make this money or get this promotion or sign this client. And then I did it. And then it's like more pressure from group on, Okay, well, you, you did that so you can do another one. And it's, and it's just like, wh- when is this going to end?
1: Mm. And the answer's so, never.
0: <laughs> right. And so I had seen therapists in the past, Maureen, I'd seen different therapists. I personally never got what I really wanted out of a therapeutic session. I wanted action. I didn't want to just talk about my past and kind of where I, where I, where I was or how I got to where I am now. I wanted to figure out an action based plan. How can I get to where I want to go? How can I, how can you help me close the gap between where I am today and where I know I can go? That's what I need help with. Um, So I was introduced to a friend of a friend and, um, I had never even heard of coaching, really. Like, I thought when when someone said executive coach, the first thing that would come to my mind is, like, the CEO of Google, right? Hiring some, you know, six-degree guy out in you know uh, San Francisco, you know, whatever. I, I didn't know what coaching was. And so um, it kind of just started as this conversation of just, like, hey, you should meet this guy. I think you guys would hit it off. And as we talked, he kind of told me what he did and – um, I was just so drawn to it and I ended up signing up with him for a year, which by the way, that was one of the scariest things I've ever done in my life is pay money, tens of thousands of dollars investing into myself, which is again, foreign. I I don't know about you, Maureen, but I was never taught to invest in myself. I was taught if you, if you have money, if you're fortunate to have some money, you put it in your savings account, you put it in a 401k, whatever real estate, but you, like, I was never taught to invest in yourself.
1: And no, so I think few people are more then, now, thankfully people like you, it's getting better.
0: Oh, it's getting better over time, yeah. slowly, but surely. But I, I just, it, it was almost like, and I use this analogy a lot. It was, it was like tasting the color blue. It just didn't make sense. Like, how am I supposed to put 25 K 50 K, whatever it is into a coaching program and like what am I getting out of it? And like, how is this going to work? And sure enough, it was by far the great one of the greatest, if not the greatest investment I've ever made was investing in it. myself for that first year. Yeah, because he helped me unlearn all these things that I again inherited, all these stories that I had written uh, unknowingly written for myself, and, and I'm playing these mental movies in my head. And then when the mental movie that I created doesn't match up or meet reality, well, then that, in my mind, that was just cause for being unhappy. It's like, well, wait a minute. Who's the one who's writing the script, directing right. the film? <laughs> right. You know?
1: So put you in the driver's seat. You're yeah. the director, finally.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Exactly.
1: That's, that sounds transformative.
0: Yeah. It was, like I said, it was It was so um, just... Incredible. I worked with him for a year and then that morphed into multiple years. I paid to be his apprentice. Um
1: wow.
0: yeah, and and I so during my um so I, I earned a certification to be a coach, and during this time, it was about a year-long program. And for every so Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday for about three hours, so like five to eight, I would just immerse myself into coaching, philosophy, neurology, psychology. But I like really wanted to do it right. Versus in college where it's like, you got to do these, these books or these, you know, you got to do these assignments. It's like, okay, but this program was hard as fuck. Excuse my language. And, but it was, but it's like, it was, but it, 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 like, I I was, I was, it was magnetic. I like needed to do it and it fueled me. And and then I just started coaching for free. And that's kind of how I got to where I am now.
1: That is so cool. That yeah. is so cool. I mean, it, it sounds like you've had, I, th- I think everything that you've done up until this point has actually made you not only want to be a coach, but become a far better coach, I imagine, from having all those experiences yeah. yourself. Well, Plus think, the psychology background. I mean, that's that's really cool too. Yeah.
0: I think the, one of the reasons or one of my unfair advantages is the fact that I've been in this entrepreneurial executive role for 15 years. So I can empathize with these, with these guys and gals where, you know, I'm not just some not let me back up. I'm not just some psychologist where it's like, OK, you know, I went to school, and I did these things and I've never actually been in your shoes. Like I've legit built sales teams. I like I know what the what the challenges you're facing when it comes to building businesses and growing businesses. Um, and And I want to help infuse this wisdom, equip you with these tools and resources that we weren't taught in order to help you get to where you want to go.
1: That's amazing. Now, do you work primarily with leaders or do you work with people at any level of their organization?
0: I would say the majority of, of the clients I work with are more in the director or VP uh, above. However, um, really when it comes down to for me is um, not necessarily like their position, but who they are as a person. Because sometimes people will come to me and if they have a higher disposable income, they think or I can tell energetically that they want to pay me to have me fix their problems. And that's just not how it works. Coaching is not me fixing your problems. Me is, I'm helping you. I'm not going to clean your room for you. I'm going to (laughs) help you. I'm going to show you how to clean your room. So, um, so yeah, so it's, um, uh, yeah, it's for me, it's more about the energy and like, what is the intention behind wanting to work with me? Um, Yeah, so I don't think it's a blanket one size fits all, but it's again, more about the individual.
1: Yeah. No, that makes sense. And speaking of those individuals, can you tell me tell me a little bit about those who are approaching you from the tech world who are, I guess I would say, similarly situated to the way in which you were when you exited the, the tech world. Tell me about the more burnt out types and, and what you're seeing, and especially as it relates to those who have gotten to be a certain age in the tech industry.
0: Yeah. And you know what I'm noticing is, is like the stress levels it's unfortunately, it's bleeding down in age, right? So Mm. I think 15 years ago, you might have the folks maybe like 35 to 40 and up where they're more like really stressed. I don't know this. This is just my personal opinion and what I've seen, but my youngest client is 25 years old, uh, 25 or 26. She was the number one rep um, at Salesforce uh, North America.
1: It's amazing
0: um, yeah, out of, one out of 2,400. And so she's, and, and it's the same, it's like the same thing I felt I'm, or I felt past. It's almost like, again, she's 24. I felt it at 29. So, um, but yeah, it's, 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 dis, it's, it's burnout. It's stress. It's, um, not being okay with where we are. One mm-hmm. of the things I'm noticing is that people are just not okay they're not okay. They're like acting in a sense of like, I'm not okay where I'm at. I need to do this. I need to get here. I need to have this. Like, I'm just not okay. And one of the things I like working on is is kind of having these folks, helping these folks get out of their own way. Because so often, you know, we're the ones stopping us from getting what we want out of life.
1: Yep. Yep, we're our own worst enemies in a lot of cases. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. Do you have clients who come to you and are worried about ageism one way or the other? I mean, you just talk about talked about the woman who's twenty-four and the number one salesperson. I'm sure she has reverse ageism, people thinking she's not capable because she is so young, but in fact she's the top performer. So I'm curious if you if your clients come to you with those sorts of psychological concerns about age bias or ageism, age. Yes. And
0: it it's it's both sides, right? Mm-hmm. Just like we have the twenty-four year old uh, female. I spoke with a guy, uh, 51 years old who, uh, basically in so many words said like, I can't, he doesn't believe that he can get out of his industry because he's been in it forever. And this is what he's, this is what his degrees in. And this is what he's always done. And he doesn't like it. He's not, it doesn't fill his soul. He's not happy, Mm -hmm. but it pays good money and it's a good title and it's a good, you know, so, ah, so, okay. It's like, no man, you got... You're, you're 50, you have 30 good years, 40 good years left. Like, what do you, Yep. you know what I mean?
1: Don't throw a good time after bad.
0: Right? It's, so, so to think like, Oh, well, I'm 51. I can't do, you know, I, I you know, whatever I, I'm a, I, I'm a data scientist and now I want to go learn how to cook. It's like, go ahead, do it. Like fucking mm-hmm. do it. The other thing I like to, to um, one of the things I love to ask is when someone says something to me like that, in that fashion of, Oh, well, I can't do this. I kind of, I'll ask them, well, what would you say if you if you if you had a child and your child was your age and they wanted to do something new or different or way different than, you know, separate than what they're used to doing, would you tell them, nah, don't even start. Don't even try. You're <laughs> Just too give late. Up. Just give up already. Don't even start. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> right. Don't even start. So, and then they're like, oh, of course not. Well, it's like, yeah, well, if you would love your kid the way, you know, you got to love yourself the same way.
1: Yeah, self compassion, man. It's it's a thing. And a lot of people just really suck at it. So I love that you're you're proselytizing that with your clients because I think it's really critically important. We can be so intensely self critical. And who's to say you can't go do something just because you're a little older, right? And I think we've let society dictate our thoughts on what that X looks like, you know, that specific circumstance. And we need to continue to push back against it. And it starts with us. So I'm glad that you're you're really imbuing that in the spirit of your clients because that's that's really where this all begins. It's deep, like personal work. And then if you have enough of us doing it, we're going to make a difference, right? <laughs> so.
0: Absolutely. That's the that's the, the one one of my coach's one of the, one of the like main taglines. Like, be the change that you want to see in others. You need to be that change first. You want to change the world? Start with yourself.
1: Yeah. Are you looking for a job at tech companies backed by private equity? If you're anything like many people I know, that answer is a definite no, and in fact you actually dread the possibility your company might get acquired by private equity. But guess what? The whole exception proves the rule thing, that's true. Cross-section is that exception. A new PE firm and boutique consultancy that's built by actual operators from the tech industry. As in, they know how to do the work and can help founders get the capital and guidance they need to go to the next level. They also understand the value of experience, and so do the leaders at their portfolio companies. Sign up at itgetslateearly.com to apply to cross-sections portfolio companies and other hand-selected opportunities for workers of any age. Back to the show. You know, it's a hard thing, too. And I would say this is probably more so the case for women, because, you know, I I feel here I am having a, a huge public conversation about age bias and ageism and age discrimination in this particular industry. In corporate America, I would say I could lump that in as well. I feel sometimes a little bit bad because I'm doing this particular podcast on this very subject, and I myself am someone who actively seeks to look younger than I am as a woman. Mm. And yet I also want to, at the same time, push back against the concept that people over 40 are, you know, just has-beens and done with, and we should just like push them out of the side, (laughs) out to the side, right? So I struggle with that sort of internal conflict because society expects me, to look a certain way. And I've talked to countless Mm -hmm. women at this point who are in the industry and in corporate America in general. And they they have said to me, anyone who's older than I am, you know, in their fifties or beyond, I said, I feel this, this intense pressure to look at least 10 years younger than I actually am chronologically. And so it's, it's a tough, it's a tough issue. And there, there is a lookism involved in every industry. And so women are fighting against that too. And so that's, that's where I really struggle. It's like, maybe I should just be dyeing my hair gray or something. I mean, I'm not, I don't have very many grays yet, but I feel a little bit, I, I feel a little bit disingenuous because I'm also trying to ride that line. Right. So it's, it's an interesting conundrum. I'm, I'm giving myself grace because I think this is a very delicate line to walk and we have the society we do, right. We have the status quo that we do. And so even having a conversation, beginning the awareness on this and working on my own internal ageism is how. I'm thinking about it. So I'm being intentionally self-compassionate on that.
0: <laughs> yeah. And that's the so. win. And let's just celebrate that. No, really like <laughs> <Thank> celebrate. <you. laughs> so, so like when you have the intention, when you, when you have the self-awareness to say like, yeah, these are some things that I could do better. I could be better at that in itself of just identifying, Hey, these are the things I want to get better at. That's the win. Even if you don't necessarily yeah. get better at them, which we hope you yeah. do, just, but just thinking the, about just, it, yeah, just noticing them and saying, Hey, like, here's some things that's yeah. that's huge a lot and what of i would say t- to a
1: friend right yeah like, I-, I would tell a friend hey it makes sense that you struggle with this because yeah. you've had anti-aging products hurled at you from <laughs> you know the moment you were born so oh my like, God, that's it's a multi gazillion so bad. Do- it's ridiculous I'm and what like, and, and only anti-aging what do you want me to die instead yeah. like what anti- like, age. Like, don't age come on don't age it's at just all crazy but it's a uh, Anyway, that's, that's the internal conflict that I go through, but I I tell myself, you know, be gentle on yourself. You're doing the best you can. It's, it's understandable that you're feeling conflicted about this. And yeah, I'm a little bit of two minds about it. Yeah. I I love
0: it. I love it. Again, radical acceptance, right? The idea that you're going to accept whatever feeling you have, like accept it, honor it and remember, oh, wait a minute. Well, one, I'm not my feelings because you're not your feelings. And two, it's temporary just like all feelings are temporary the good ones the bad ones and in between right they're all temporary so when we when we can kind of bring that back and say wait a minute like here's how i'm feeling but i know that this feeling is temporary it's like ah oh, i get this fresh this sigh of relief and not as opposed to so for for me just using the the phrase i am versus i feel if you say i am stressed Right, you're embodying stress. I am stressed. It's like, no, you're not stressed. You're feeling stressed. Just That's notice a the difference, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's like the all agency. Of a sudden, you're right? you're the like, agency. yeah, you're
0: giving you're giving that that you're you're saying, this isn't me. This is just what I'm noticing. Much like a bystander waiting for a bus watches cars go by. I'm gonna watch this emotion, this feeling I have, this anger, frustration, sadness, whatever it is. I'm gonna watch it go by. I'm not going to be the car. I'm just going to watch it drive by.
1: Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I think that reframe, it's very subtle, but it makes a difference. And I think it, it, it really speaks to, if you can ina- exert some agency, I guess I would say over y- your situation, rather than feeling like a passive bystander, a victim, if you will, victim. it really, sh- yeah. right. It's that victimhood. And that mentality is so, it's so deleterious to all of us because it just, it just paralyzes you. And so I've gotten better at, basically acknowledging my feelings and, and saying, here's where I am right now. And then taking ownership over that. And then I feel like I can make some moves, right. If I'm, if I'm at least in that place, it's like a position of power, right. Versus, you know, not well, a lot a lot, <laughs> times, the opposite.
0: a lot of times what happens is, is when we, ha- we as humans will have a feeling, right. That we don't like. So anger, mm-hmm. sadness, uh, rage, whatever it is, frustration. And so we have this feeling, and so, what do we do when this feeling comes to us? We oftentimes will try to push it away, or we'll, we'll try to we'll we'll pretend like, "Well, I'm really sad, but I'm just going to trick myself or pretend I'm not sad." And doing right. that, pretending you're not sad and honoring what is actually makes that feeling worse. It exacerbates the feeling, right? So why are you ignoring the fact or trying to push away the fact that you're sad? Fucking own it. Hey, I'm feeling really sad right now. Cool. I'm going to honor that. I'm going to honor it. I know it doesn't feel great. I know that it's not something that I'd much rather feel happy. And I know that this, like all feelings are temporary. So I'm going to let this pass. I'm going to give myself the grace and compassion that I deserve, that I would give my my pet or my child.
1: That's that's great. I think we all need to to do that. It's really important. The world would be a better place if we all did that. So, Jason, how has age affected your practice as an executive coach, if it has.
0: I'm very fortunate. I'm very lucky to be where I am now is right in the sweet spot because you have, I'll be 40 next year. Right. So I have enough, enough coolness or influence to where I can talk. (laughs) I can, a 25 year old, my 25 year old client, like I'm relevant to her. Like I'm not this grandparent. But I'm also, rele- I'm four years old. I've, got, I've been in business for 20 years. So I'm also helping the 55-year-olds.
1: Yeah, where, you where are in the sweet spot.
0: Right. Well, so they're kind of like, oh, well, like, you know, because oftentimes, right, folks who are older than me and they know they're older than me when we get on the calls, you can tell that sometimes there's this doubt of like, how is Jason going to help me? I'm older than him. I'm older than him.
1: What can this guy tell me? Right. How
0: could he help me?
1: That bias. Yeah. Reverse ageism against you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. So it's almost like, um, but then once you start kind of talking and it's, it's again, you can kind of tell are these people, do they have an open, um, do they have a fixed mindset or a growth mindset? Because the folks who have the fixed mindset, they're like, well, Jason's younger than me. Um, he's not a you know he hasn't done data science whatever it's so like they're yeah. they're saying and they're again the the, the um, logical <laughs> brain says uh, does jason check these boxes so it's like what does the intuition say does it feel yeah. does, do you feel not you not you mari and <laughs> like, do you feel does it feel right to work with me i ask yeah. yourself what does your intuition say about working with me because if it feels right it probably is and if it feels wrong it probably is wrong because our our intuition, our gut feelings are our future selves giving us nudges or clues in the present.
1: Got it. Interesting way of putting it.
0: The 50 year old version of you, the five zero, she's giving you clues and nudges today, right now.
1: Hmm. What's up, Maureen? Age 50. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Love it. But that's really <laughs> Tell, what, me, that's tell what, me it's okay up there. <laughs> yeah. And it is. It's gonna be fine, right? Everything's gonna be fine. It already is that's fine. Great, it already is fine. But I think that's that's a really interesting point. You know, you are you are meeting with people who are making snap judgments on you based on your age. And right now you're in this this great spot where you can play both sides, but that will shift, right? Yeah, like you'll be it will. Yeah, and so it'll be interesting to see how you circumvent that. And I hope that we're just going to get to a much more age-inclusive place as a society. I mean, I think we're seeing the signs everywhere. Did you know there's going to be a 72-year-old bachelor on ABC? No, I The didn't. golden bachelor. Jerry. Gary, no. His, I keep messing it up. 72? 72. And he spells his name G-E-R-R-Y. And I keep on saying Jerry. It's Gary, but... Yeah. Anyway, um, but it's, it's amazing. So we're, we're moving, we're moving that direction. <laughs> it's going to happen, but okay. That's, that's a really interesting perspective. Yeah. You do have, but I think you probably have, and again, not to put words in your mouth, but I imagine you have this sort of mentality where it's like, well, if, if I'm not for you, whatever someone else is for me, right? Like, <laughs> um, or someone so, blah, I am for someone else is what I was trying to say. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. If it feels right. If it feels right, it's like Tinder, right? Okay, cool. This feels right. We'll we'll match. (laughs) Sometimes it feels right for someone else. It's just like, okay, cool. I'm not going to um, listen to... uh... When you draw a line in the sand, you have things you can control and things you can't control. And so why am I going to expend my time and energy resources on the column of things I cannot control? It doesn't do me any good. And a lot of times folks will marinate on that. They'll ruminate they'll just keep thinking about these things outside of their control and it just drives them in this vicious cycle. It's, it's not, not healthy.
1: Do you see patterns in your clients based on age on that front? Like the ruminations and the dug into certain, uh, mindsets.
0: I, to be honest with you, it's people, if you're a human being and you're in the workplace and you like, I just feel like people are having the same issues across the board, whether they're, 25 or 45 like people are people they're human we're all we all have the same challenges like of course there's there's different facets or different areas but blanket we're all kind of we're all and you know we're all human yeah (laughs) we're all we're all in this like this crazy world together and we're just trying to do our best
1: So Jason, this has been a fascinating discussion. I love how you've brought your psychology background into your executive coaching practice and how you've got the experience of having worked in tech. So you know all the things that we're we're dealing with in this lovely industry. So I really appreciate you sharing your insights and I will make sure that we link in the show notes your LinkedIn page and any other items of interest to the audience. So thank you so much for being here. This was an awesome conversation.
0: Yeah, no, thank you for having me. I very much appreciate it.
1: Thanks for joining us today at It Gets Late Early. I hope this episode was insightful and entertaining. Now, before you go, if you're old and work in tech, just like me, I have something really cool for you. We're putting together a job board specifically for seasoned tech workers, where we'll curate the best opportunities for experienced tech talent. If you want a place to look for work where you can trust there won't be so much bias in the hiring process, go to itgetslateearly.com and sign up, so you'll be the first to know when we launch it.